Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Today we have extraordinary topics to explore, the haunted world of art. To kick things off, let's dive deep into the chilling tale of The Anguished Man. The Anguished Man painting is an artwork that has captivated both art and paranormal enthusiasts alike. The rumors surrounding this painting are truly hair-raising. It is said that the artists infused their own blood into the paint, giving the piece an eerie connection to a tormented spirit. The experiences associated with the anguished man are nothing short of chilling. People who have owned or displayed the painting have reported encountering unexplained phenomena, eerie sounds, shadowy figures, and overwhelming feelings of dread that seem to permeate the atmosphere. It's as if the emotion and anguish captured within the artwork has transcended the canvas, manifesting as a haunting presence. This raises intriguing questions about the potential energy that art can hold and the boundaries between the physical and the spiritual. Let's explore the origins of the painting, the stories of those who have encountered it, and the possible explanations behind its haunting nature. We'll delve into the experiences of individuals who have witnessed the paranormal uh, while in the presence of the anguished man. Well, also, let's discuss the psychological impact that haunted art can have on viewers, how it blurs the line between reality and imagination. Join us as we unravel the secrets behind the anguished man and try to make sense of its enigmatic and supernatural allure. Okay, artists and creation. The painting was purportedly created by an unknown artist who mixed his own blood with the paint while experiencing extreme emotional distress. The artist intended to capture his anguish and torment on the canvas. According to the legend surrounding the painting, the artist died shortly after completing it. It is said that he committed suicide, adding to the mysterious aura surrounding the artwork. Numerous owners of the anguished man have reported unsettling experience and paranormal phenomena connected to the painting. These include hearing voices, witnessing apparitions, and experiencing feelings of dread when near the artwork. Some individuals have gone as far as conducting experiments with the painting, subjecting it to different conditions, such as exposing it to darkness or performing rituals. These experiments aim to provoke paranormal activity associated with the painting. It is important to note that concrete evidence supporting the painting's alleged haunting is scarce. The majority of claims about the anguished man rely on anecdotal 
reports and personal experiences from its owners. Beyond the supernatural elements, the anguished man can also be viewed as a representation of human suffering, torment, and inner anguish. The use of the artist's own blood adds a visceral and deeply personal dimension to the painting. Overall, the anguished man stands as a mysterious piece of art, enveloped in tales of the supernatural and a haunting presence that has captivated the imaginations of many. So, um, out of your whole experience of being an artist, have you ever heard of like any haunted paintings or artifacts? Um, I actually heard about this story before, hmm. but I didn't really read into it because I'm not the type of person to be intrigued by paranormal activity and kind of just introduce myself to those ideas. The only time that I knew about something like that was hanging out with you and yeah. learning about your fascination with those type of topics. So um, I heard about it, but didn't really think anything of it at the time. But now that I do know that information, that's some freaky shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely freaky. Um, I haven't really experienced any haunting artifacts. Um, you know, just like the neighborhood regular hauntings when you see something out of quarter, the corner of your eye or when you hear something fall in another room and you're not there. Mm-hmm. Like little stuff like that has been happening to me um, as long as I can remember, but nothing like super crazy or super paranormal that. Well, that resume because I want to know what, what you're saying you had instances with. I mean, you know, just scary. little instances like um, sleep paralysis. Um, waking it used to happen to me a lot when I was younger I think it stopped when I turned into a teenager but I would get sleep paralysis waking up and I can't move and I can't speak and I feel like something's on my chest or um, being in the house alone like you know I live in an old house so things would creak or I would hear something fall in the kitchen that's not like um, secure Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it was paranormal or not. It was just, you know, kind of freaky. Right. So you know that I have um, a, a hate relationship with things with feathers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I did have an experience when I was very, very young. And my grandparents had a pillow. I was living with them at the time. They had a pillow that was a picture of an owl. But I swear to you, whenever the lights would go out and it was time for bed, that thing was alive. The picture so, of an owl? There was a picture of an owl on the pillow. Whoa. But every time it was dark, for me, I felt like it was coming to life. Like the, the owl was moving and I couldn't sleep on it because obviously I was afraid, terrified. Yeah. So I would just flip it over, but then I would still like hear it. <laughs> mm. And I just think it was personally just me being terrified of it in the first place and kind of imagining things that weren't there. So instead, I would just like completely not want the pillow at all and just throw it on the floor. Uh, strange fact. Well, side note: um, alien abductions. People um, who say they see greys. Um, they s- people who are abducted by aliens state that they see greys, but the first thing that they see is an owl. So what you trying to say? You might have been abducted. <laughs> You never know. Then we just have a, 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 a <laughs> then we just have a, a podcast on the um, aliens 
going to Zimbabwe and then talking to those people. Maybe you was abducted. Philip, I said next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, moving on to our next intriguing topic, let's explore the legend of the crying boy painting. The these artworks gained notoriety in the 1980s due to unsettling rumors that they were cursed. For sure, these paintings depict a uh, depict. Young boys with tears, streaked faces, evoking a deep sense of sadness and vulnerability. However, the truly eerie aspect is the reported phenomenon surrounding the curse. Allegedly, houses where these paintings were displayed had a higher uh, incidence of fires, while the paintings themselves remained unscathed. Man, your country is shit. Because the way you just said where, you said were. Where? <laughs> like where? <Chiki> says there. <laughs> um, it's truly a perplexing puzzle. We'll delve into the history of these haunting paintings, examining the origins of the curse and the superstitions that developed around them. We'll explore the stories of individuals who have witnessed these alleged curse paintings and the strength events, the strange events that surrounded them. We'll also look into possible explanations for the haunting curse, ranging from coincidence and urban legends to psychological and uh, parapsychological theories. Our goal is to unravel the truth behind the crying boy paintings and understand the impact they had on the public imagination. So the crying boy refers to a series of mass-produced prints or reproductions that feature a sad-looking young boy shedding tears. The original painting was created by Giovanni Braglin, an Italian artist in the 1950s. These prints became immensely popular in the 1980s, and many households across the United Kingdom and beyond displayed them. The image struck a chord with the public, and numerous copies were sold. Why would anyone want a painting of a crying baby? That's what I'm trying to figure out. In the 1980s, a British tabloid newspaper claimed that the multiple houses devastated by fires had the crying boy paintings as the only surviving items. This led to the belief that the paintings were cursed and possessed the power to cause fires. The tabloid story spawned various superstitions and urban legends. People became, uh, began to attribute misfortune, um, accidents, and even death to the presence of the crying boy painting in their homes. While the curse surrounds these paintings, um, it captured public fascination. Rational explanations emerged to debunk the supernatural claims. It was revealed that the prints were coated with a varnish that made the fire resistant, them fire resistant, explaining their survival in the house fires. Mm. That could be it, or it could be demon-possessed. could be just very simple. He put varnish on it so that if there was a fire... But does that explain the... Um, if it's like in a frame, a wooden frame, is varnish on the wooden frame? Or is it just on the painting itself? Why? Because of the wooden frame... I, I don't know if the wooden frame, frame burnt with it, or did it stay on the wall while everything it else burnt? It may not have been wooden. It could have been steel or iron or some type of metal. Maybe. I don't know. It's weird. Um, 
in the sheer numbers of the crying boy paintings produced and the popularity of displaying them contributed to the coincidental presence of the prince and fire damaged homes statistics probably suggest that it was merely a coincidence not a curse interesting despite the debunking of the curse the crying boy paintings remain an intriguing cultural phenomenon they continue to evoke curiosity and fascination due to the enduring belief in the supernatural and the power of the curse so do you think that artists have the ability to paint their pain? <laughs> yeah, like the 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 anguished um what was it? The anguished man. Like do you think an artist has the ability to create something or put their spirit into something so crazy that it just haunts people? That's a great question. As someone that um, wasn't even thinking about the painting being that serious <laughs> in the first place, um, my head would not be thinking in that direction, but I can see how some people will if so many of the same people that own the same paintings have the similar experiences with the paintings in their homes. Okay, so when we um, first got together, right? Within like maybe like a month or a couple months, mm -hmm. you painted a portrait of me that looks extremely lifelike. Yeah. How long did it take you to do that? About 24 hours. 24 hours. 24 hours of your hard work, you basically transferring your spirit from your body to this piece. You don't think that piece holds a little bit of you like or holds your energy in some type of way i do believe that but your question was about whether or not someone can transfer a negative haunting spirit not the same concept you're saying the same concept not haunting per se what if what if okay if you're in a good mood most likely you will paint something that matches your mood Correct. But if you're in anguish and pain or if you're depressed, you just stand in the third, could you put that same energy within yes. a painting or a piece? I'm being an ass. Like, <laughs> I heard what you said the first time, but I do believe um, with you explaining what you meant, yes, energy does transfer, whether it's on a paintbrush, whether it's how you communicate with someone whether it is your aura of how you feel around somebody when you're mm. expressing yourself or they're expressing themselves back towards you, we exchange as human energy, whether in whatever form that we, we can. Okay, so it's possible. Yes. I will. <laughs> the haunting part, I'm not so sure. But, yeah, I feel like if the person was having a mental um, breakdown or feeling like they were unwell or feeling down and low mm -hmm. and they were transferring that energy towards the painting that they created yes mm -hmm. it was very obvious obvious in that painting mm -hmm. that he was an anguished man yeah. but it being something that was um haunting others or experiencing some sort of paranormal activity i think that's a stretch but i do believe yes that was a disturbing painting maybe the energy of that painting was causing people to feel a certain way 
But was that a placebo effect of feeling like, oh, it's haunted, but then you're just feeling that transfer of energy? I don't know. Because it's, it's interesting because this is why I don't really like um, like thrift shops and <laughs> recycled like things. Like Says the man with like 300 vinyls. <laughs> yeah, but that's... It's different when people just take something, listen to it for a little second, mm -hmm. then they put it away. If you like have like a, a corner chair that you sent in for 30 or 40 years and, and the person ends up passing away and their spouse gives that chair to Goodwill or thrift shop. You don't know the history of the chair. That chair is going to hurl certain energy because that person sat in that chair after work every day <laughs> for 30 years. Yeah. So it's going to hold some type of energy. You know what I mean? If you put in 24, 48, 72, how many hours that you put in a specific painting that you just caught up in, I'm pretty sure that time, energy, and effort gets transferred in some type of way. Maybe. I'm not, I hear what you're yeah, saying. I hear I'm not saying, saying if it's haunted. I'm not saying it's this, that, and the third. I'm just saying it's it's very possible that some freaky shit can happen. You have a point. I, I mean, like I explained with the energies, I do feel that that's, that's the case. Because even if you look at, like, say, for instance, Angela Bassett in mm -hmm. Tina Turner's film. And right. she was just like, the moment I put her clothes on, I felt like I was her. That was Same. her real clothes? Yeah, T they were using, like, certain things. Oh, similar costumes, yeah, obviously. Yeah. It wasn't the real clothes, oh, but I, I was felt about like to say, damn, that's a different level. A copy of the costume of what they were wearing, but she was like, I was challenging that spirit of that energy of that right, person. Right. The same with um, Jamie Foxx and Ray. Right. You can see it a lot in actors when they do a really great job impersonating the person. Mm -hmm. Another one was Bozeman, Chadwick Bozeman, in what was the baseball player's name? I know he, he it did was 42, that one. the movie 42. He did 42, but he also did James Brown. He did James Brown. He did uh, Ma's Red Bottom. And every time he was in that, that character, he did it so well that he forgot. You know, you forget that he's the character in the right. film. So that's also us receiving the energy that he's giving. Like, you're right. giving James Brown. You're giving, yeah. you know, all these people that you're you're portraying. So, yeah, in a sense, yeah, I do agree with you. Could that be a form of, like, possession? It, it could be, right? It might be. Mm. I think about Will Smith and Ali, even. Right. I forgot he was Ali. So I don't consider him, like, one of the best actors, but sometimes he gives you a role, like he's given a role that he can actually channel mm. and be in that space and do it very well. It's just weird because some of these people were still alive when... um these guys and mm -hmm. gals were taking these roles. I would say even Beyonce, for some reason, like I felt like she was a great Etta James. I don't know about she all that. She couldn't sing like her, but I'm saying like yeah. she channeled that energy, like mm -hmm. she channeled the same movement and the same spirit when you're carrying something. I knew Beyonce was a terrible actor when I seen Obsessed. You remember that movie? Yeah, it was the same time around Dreamgirls. I felt like Dreamgirls could have went to someone else, but it was also perfect for Beyonce because of her being categorized as someone that can't really sing, but she's very beautiful. 
So mm-hmm. she was kind of playing like a Diana Ross where it's like, you got the voice, but it's not Jennifer it's not, Hudson. Yeah. yeah, it's not Jennifer Hudson. But we know why you got the role. It's because you're beautiful and you have the beauty standard of the typical image that is portrayed of black women in entertainment. You got any, um, do you have any like other like eerie type paranormal situations that you've mm, been through? Let me think about it. Yes. You were speaking on sleep paralysis, mm. but I had, when I was around 16, I would have a similar dream maybe like six times in a row that year in different situations. The first time it happened, it freaked me out. And I was like, no, that was just a bad dream. So what would happen is I would try to wake up from a dream that was disturbing me, mm. but I couldn't open my eyes. And I had this old woman speaking to me in a different language that I understood. Was it showing? Yes, it was. And she was very old. And she was like, I'm not going to let you get up. I'm not going to let you get up. Where do you think you're going? And I felt her energy like pulling me back. Yeah. I felt that spirit like pulling me back. Whatever it was, I could see her. But I couldn't feel anyone touching me. But I could be felt. I felt like someone is pulling me in. Like your spirit. Yeah, like your spirit. So the first time it happened, it freaked me out. And I was like, try, you know, I was like trying to push myself up as, as <laughs> hard as I could. And it was not happening. Mm-hmm. But eventually, like, but also the reason why I was trying to get up is I couldn't breathe. Like, mm-hmm. I could feel her sucking me in. And or I, sitting on your chest? Not even, like, I felt it was on my neck. Like, um, I felt pressure on my neck. And I felt pressure on my arms. That, like, I couldn't move. Mind you, this is a period of time where I didn't watch a lot of scary movies. I didn't watch scary movies at all. Because yeah. they just freaked me out. But I didn't, I wasn't in that space to like feel like, you know, I got it from some film or whatever. But I still distinctly now remember that old lady's face. Um, it she, also happened when I was pregnant with Wami. That was the last time that happened, like after really? I was 16. Yeah. Did she look familiar or did she feel familiar? It was the same, the same voice, the same face, and the same type of paralysis. I mean, the first time you, you seen her, did it like, did, did, did it feel familiar? It's no, it freaked me out because there was no one I knew, but the face was so distinct. Mm. Like, it was such a distinct face, but it was someone, like, I felt like that was trying to kill me inside of my sleep. <laughs> I was about to say, was it, did it feel like a relative? It did, but I didn't know who. You remember that movie we watched when um, the lady went overseas to, um, I guess, make money to bring her child? Mm-hmm. And the ancestors were, like, trying to give her a message. But it was, like, um, like it was hard because it was, like, in one instance, the ancestors um, would drown. Or on the other instance, like, the ancestors would, like, the most wild things. But they were just trying to, like, get your attention and and tell you what was going on. Mm -hmm. Or give you a hint. Do you think it was kind of like that? It wasn't a hint. She physically was just like, I'm going to kill you in your sleep, basically. Like, Mm. you're not going to get up. And I want to see how hard you're going to fight. But I do feel like now that we're talking about this, perhaps it was um, a lesson in in play, right? Because you're like, what was the story? What was the reason behind this? I do feel like it was a challenge for me to live up to my name. Because my name means resilience or I would never give up. Mm. And I've always felt challenged somehow or some way in my life, whether it's like transitioning here to move to the con- like to, to move to this country and be with my mom or like be in certain spaces where I kind of felt like the other. But it's always, are you going to give up 
in life or you're gonna just give up and I'll take you with me. And you said the first time happened when you were in Zimbabwe? No, when I was 16, a teenager, 16. but that was like, when I was 15, 16, 17, that was like the most, you know when you're coming into your own as a woman, but it was like the hardest time of my life, I feel like. Maybe it was like somebody trying identity. to, somebody trying to make you honest like don't forget who you are type situation exactly but it's like i'm gonna challenge you you either like because i okay so when i was 15 16 17 mm. and I, I i hate to say this word because it's so like desensitized because I, you know let me just say it um i wanted to end my life around that time mm. but i felt like in that space she was just like you can either just live through this and get over it mm. Obviously, life, you know, the certain things that happen in your life is temporary. It's not permanent. Or do you want me to just take you now? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think for me, it was scarier for her to take me than for me to just, like, push through it. She was about to send you first class. First Yeah, that's what I was saying. And I felt like it was a relative, like, all right, so you feeling this way. You want to come with us now? We could, mm. you, we brought you in this world. You, you want us to take you? Like, I felt like it was an ancestor, but like a whole, like, from... You know, like a long time, and she's like, "If you if you don't want this life, you could come." Probably like <laughs> pre-colonialism, like something. Like ancient, I just felt ancient. it was someone that I should know, but I've never met. But it was like within my lineage. I don't know if it's paternal. You think I don't it, know could, if it, it probably probably was like one uh, an old god or something like that. I don't Maybe. think it was a god, but I do feel like it was a relative. It was like a, a demigod or something. It scared the shit out of me, but it happened like literally six times and was always when I was having really bad anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. Really, really bad anxiety. So I'm, when I got myself to sleep, it's like, we're going to have a conversation now before you wake up. <laughs> mm. But like pulling me to like fight for myself, like fight mm. for my life out of that dream. It was, this, this freak still freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I had any like life changing experiences like that besides um, no but you have do you seeing, have any seeing my grandmoms but that was you crazy. saw your grandma yeah i told you and um i saw my grandmother i was having a dream i was in this forest and i was talking to my grandmother she had on like all white mm -hmm. this is before junior was born and um we was talking about something we was talking about a lot but then she uh pulled up like this little butt implant mm -hmm. my head held it in her hands like you know just cupping it in her hands she said protect it and then a couple weeks later you said you was pregnant <laughs> and that's the thing that I find really fascinating though about dreams I do feel like if you dissect or kind of pay attention to those mm. not the ones that kind of feel like films like two second yeah. films that are like random but like where you feel something inside of you like was that <laughs> i think dreams are like dreams are like um let's say our our, our brains are like conduits uh mm -hmm. like antenna and when we go to sleep our brains change the channel to a different station mm -hmm. and i don't know if it's like a different dimension or what have you, but I think our brains are, it's like the Wi-Fi not only, the Wi-Fi isn't for this room, but the Wi-Fi like extends out outside of, you know, the room. And 
if you go through the door, you can see like other things outside of the room. If that makes sense, I don't know. You lost me at Wi-Fi. I'm trying to understand. So what you mean is like it is extension of us, but it brings things into different contexts so we can understand something in our regular life. All right, you remember like old TVs, right? You would turn to a certain channel, but all you would get is static. Mm-hmm. When you go to sleep, it's like the static clears up and you can see the picture. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I think dreams are like. I think that when we awake, when we're awake, um, that other side or that other side of the door is nothing but static. And we have to change, like sleeping changes our brain frequency to a certain channel that we can see what that static That's really interesting, is. yeah. That's a good way, I think, of maybe explaining it. Mm. Um, because I do feel like it's silent enough for you to, to be vulnerable with yourself, right? Because nobody else can see your dreams. There's no nobody distractions. Else, there's no distractions, but there's also no voice other than your own right. that can determine or see what others can't see but you. Right. So it's right. almost like your own personal therapist if you really listen and tune into to the ones that matter. Probably. Probably. I'll, I don't know. I'm, I don't know either. I'm but. not a dream specialist. <laughs> but no, I don't know either, but I just, I think, it's fascinating. I think a lot of us are. If we're not distracted with all this craziness of the world, like once we really internally look within ourselves and open ourselves up that we're we can be sensitive to like understanding what dreams are like really seeing what dreams are because sometimes when i dream when i wake up if i don't write it down i forget like 10 minutes later i but yeah of the whole I have the same thing but i have distinct dreams where i'm like oh my god yeah remember when i um was just like fascinated. I was like doing a painting or something, but I kept wanting to only listen to Mbira music, mm. like my traditional Zimbabwean music. But I was just like, what is this? Like there's, there's something I was just feeling heavy that week. All that week I was feeling heavy. And at some point, like, you know, I was doing this painting. I was obsessive, but I was listening to one musician named Stella Chiweshe, which is mm. like the godmother of Mbira music in Zimbabwe or just that genre. And I was just like, I could not stop listening to her music. And then I like posted like a whole bunch of different Mbira artists on my Instagram. And then I posted her and just like wrote a whole thing. Mm. But I was just like, you know, like her, like something was feeling heavy on me. I go to sleep. Literally like an hour later, I wake up, use the bathroom. And then I happen to check my phone. And then it was just like so-and-so's passed away. That, that musician I was listening to had passed mm. away. And I was like, what? Like, why? You know what I mean? Like Sensitive. Right. But then I kept listening to her music, but I was just feeling some sort of connection with this person. But in, in a heavy way, like I just don't, I don't do that usually. Like I'm not going to obsess or listen to the same song over and over again. But I kind of felt like, why would she, like, why me? You know, like, why would I feel this way about this person? And then, like, why did she already suddenly pass? Um, but in a nutshell, I kind of felt like with me as an artist, I'm like, I'm not knowing what I want to do, not knowing like how I want to channel my art, even mm. though I feel passionate about being an artist and expressing myself and sharing that with the world. And I kind of felt like she was kind of telling me, like, it's your turn and it's okay. There's room for everybody. I'm thinking you were um, 
a priestess or something in your past life. Do you think that? Or, or like a seer. Yeah. What you know do you what think I mean? Because, you know, me and my cousin, we always talking about, you know, different stuff that we dream and what we mm-hmm. feel and all that and how we might have been like open to a lot of things in the past. I, th- I just think you got a, like a similar situation. But, oh, well, you're not the first one that said it. That's why I said But it's not diluted it. because you haven't, um, you have more of a connection with your culture than, you know, mm-hmm. me or my cousin do because we're African American. Right. That doesn't mean you can't see, but it's like maybe not a direct connection to what you're it's, seeing. It's not a direct connection. So yeah. we have to interpret it a lot, not loosely, but we have to like really interpret it. Um, with a microscope because we don't really understand what's going on. But for you, you have a feeling and it's like right there in your face. I guess so. I'm, I'm With you saying that I'm a seer, I, that's not the first time I've heard it. Mm. But it's like certain things that I feel like if, some, if something is about to happen, like someone is about to transition, I feel some sort of connection to that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I can see or feel heavy when that's happening. Like, how did I... I don't even know this lady. Yeah. But I'm like, the fact that, like, an hour later, after I was just, like, listening to her music and being obsessive, or, like, when I was telling you about the deer after my granddad had passed, mm-hmm. like, all of that... Like, there's some sort of heightened feeling that I feel before it happens. Was it, like, more prominent when you were pregnant? That feeling? Just your intuition being like heightened. Mm, not that I was aware of, but I like I know when someone's about to transition, mm. but I don't say anything because I don't want that to happen. But I feel it. You know what I mean? Like I could. Is it feel only? It. Um, do you only feel it when somebody's transition, or do you feel it like when something else happens? Transitions only. Mm. Interesting. But there's a like there's always a message. It's al- it's almost like. I don't know that they're about to pass, but there's an, something that occurs that I'm like, why am I feeling heavy? And then that thing happens. That like when someone tra- ends up transitioning, I'm like, oh, my God. For someone who doesn't believe in the paranormal, you're, talking, you're <laughs> giving me the heebie-jeebies right now. <laughs> um, I'm freaking myself out. I don't even know why I'm even sharing this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even, like, usually I keep stuff like this to myself, but yeah, it freaks me out too. Because I'm like, why me? You know, like, why? It shouldn't freak you out if it's natural. You know, it is natural. Breathing doesn't freak you out. You just breathe. Yes, but because we have such a, a stigma or like a, oh, you know, like, what's wrong with her type of thing, when you disclose something that is not normal to the general public. I sound like a crazy person. You, you know? don't sound like a crazy person. You want to... I'm not always right, but you know why I'm right about a lot of things. Yeah. I'm not the most intelligent person on the planet, but I u- mostly use what you call intuition or what they say, a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. It's basically almost the same thing what you're talking about. Yes. You're just listening to that inner you you know what i mean i'm not deducting i'm not doing any math problems i'm not deducing anything (laughs) i'm just going with my gut feeling if it doesn't feel right i'm if if going to this party doesn't feel right i'm not going to do it right so that's a gift right and that's where when you ask me if i see 
or have that sort of feeling with something else or just people that pass on, I do carry a lot of energy. Like other people's energy, like I can feel it. That's because you're a Pisces. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that. It's like I feel that and I just don't know how to like, I, I try to like be fluid around people mm. because I can feel what they're feeling and I don't want them to like feel out of place. Or, like I, I'm I, I, like, I, you I'm don't want them feel- to know that you're feeling what they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um yeah, no, I just I wanna hear a little bit of, of yours before we wrap this up. Like All right. other than your grandma's experience, what what? I mean, like I said, I've had um crazy dreams. You know what was crazy when I stopped like smoking marijuana mm-hmm. and I was going through like withdrawals? And that's when the the dreams were, like, way more vivid. I heard it happens for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But the dreams were way more vivid. Um, it's like I could dream that I, I'm i eating a steak and I could actually smell right. the meat and, and taste it. Well, what was crazy about that period of time where you're transitioning from, you know, smoking heavy to, like, not smoking at all and doing mm-hmm. a cold turkey, you used to talk man like the first time it happened to me it freaked me out i know we talked about it in a different Mm -hmm. podcast but you weren't even making sense like i don't even know what language you were speaking Mm -hmm. but it was like you're you're somewhere else i was speaking (laughs) anunnaki anunnaki i don't know you were speaking something i was speaking the ancestors language and it was freaking me out because i was like i thought you were speaking to me or something because some will be legible, and then other words, it's like gibberish. How how often would it happen? Every, Every day? single day for about three weeks. Mm. Like after that got out of your system, I just was like, what? What would be audible? Like what? Like what do you think? I was talking to somebody, or I was just talking to myself? Yeah, it was like you're talking to someone. Mm. Junior does that too, though. He does. But guess, I mean, you're his child. But he doesn't, you know, he... It's weird because I was smoking a lot, and then mm-hmm. when I stopped, I, I'm I'm thinking that before I started smoking, it's when I had like you know the um, sleep paralysis. I probably my mother told me that I would talk in my sleep a lot too when I was younger, but when I started smoking, it would kind of like um, make all that stuff subside and like make me not do it or make me not dream. Or maybe I did and and You still do it, Philip. It was just that it was so consistent. And that mm-hmm. was my first time. Like we were just living together. That was my first time witnessing. But the fact that it kept going on around the time, like you would also like be sweating pools and pools yeah. of sweat, like I guess letting out your system. I don't know what, but even that once you ended up not smoking anymore, you still do it, but it wasn't as often. Like mm. it was literally an everyday thing for three weeks. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Damn it, should I leave my body? <laughs> All right, let's uh <laughs> let's go to this last topic. Um Unlocking the Secrets of the Haunted Mirror. Yeah, let's hear about it. In our final segment today, we invite you to join us on a journey in the enigmatic world of the haunted mirror. This antique mirror holds a chilling reputation of an eerie legend that has sent 
shivers down the spines of those who dare to explore its mysteries. The enigmatic world of the haunted mirror legend has it that this mirror is haunted by the spirit of a young girl, forever trapped within its reflective surface. Those who have glazed into the mirror claim to have seen her ghostly visage staring back at them or experience unsettling sensations that hint at a presence beyond the physical realm. Will uncover the origins of the haunted mirror and its and its history and the captivating stories of those who have dared to confront its supernatural properties. We'll examine the psychological and paranormal aspects of the mirror haunting and explore the broader cultural beliefs surrounding haunted objects. The haunted mirror, often referred to as a haunted mirror, is an antique mirror associated with paranormal phenomena. It is said to exhibit unusual or disturbing reflections, and it is believed to be a portal to the spirit world. The haunted mirror often refers as the haunted mirror associated with phenomena. Oh, I think you just... Mm-hmm. My bad. Um, the mirror has been linked to various eerie encounters and paranormal experiences. Witnesses claim to have seen apparitions heard strange sounds and experienced feelings of unease when near the mirror the haunted mirror often comes with its own legends and stories which may involve tragic events curses or ghostly entities associated with its history these tales add to the mystique and perceived supernatural nature of the mirror some individuals and paranormal enthusiasts have conducted investigations or experiments involving the mirror. These investigations aim to capture evidence of ghostly activity, um, documenting strange phenomena, or attempting to communicate with spirits. As with any alleged haunted object, skepticism and rational explanations which are present the skeptics argue that the experiences associated with the mirror may stem from psychological factors, suggestible minds, or environmental influences rather than supernatural causes. Many claims surrounding the haunted mirror rely on personal experiences and subjective accounts. The validity Thank you. The validity of these experiences varies and is often open to interpretation. Haunted objects, including mirrors, have long fascinated human culture, often appearing in folklore, literature, and movies. The allure of the unknown and the potential for supernatural encounters continue to captivate the imagination of people drawn to these stories. So, in conclusion, the haunted mirror represents an intriguing artifact associated with paranormal claims and supernatural occurrences. While skepticism and rational explanations exist, the mirror continues to um, pique curiosity and remain a subject of fascination for those intrigued by the supernatural and haunted objects. Well, this concludes our episode on the haunted world of art. We hope you enjoyed the deep dive into the supernatural and artistic world.